Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we take a look at the CAF Awards as Sajo Mani wins the African Player of the Year Award for the first time. Lost two on the English Premier League with a look at which teams might be relegated. And also we speak to exciting young Zambian forward Fashion Sakala, who's based in Belgium. I was born from a very poor family, a family that we used to sleep without food, a family that has not had nothing to to rely on in the... We believe that God is there for us, you know. That interview coming up later. But let's start with the CAF Awards as Senegal and Liverpool forward Sadio Mane won the African Player of the Year award for the first time at the ceremony held in Egypt on Tuesday. The other main contenders, Mohamed Salah and Riyad Mahrez, didn't attend, but they finished second and third. Nigeria and Barcelona forward Asisat Oshwala was named the African Women's Player of the Year, ahead of Cameroon's Ajara Nchut and South Africa's Temi Katlana. Some controversy there, as China-based Malawian Tabitha Chawenga wasn't in the top three. Cameroon with the African Women's National Team of the Year, with Africa Cup of Nations winners Algeria taking the Men's Team Award, with their coach Jamel Belmadi, the Men's Coach of the Year, and Desiree Ellis, the coach of the South Africa National Team, took the Women's Award. Uh, so, Ida, lots to talk about. It's your first appearance on the show in 2020, by the way. And uh, your thoughts? Well, Steve, first of all, a very happy new year to you, a very happy new year to everyone listening, hoping that uh, 2020 will indeed be a successful and uh, blessed year. Uh, well, to the CAF Awards, definitely very many thoughts, uh, but I will start with uh, what I think is the most pressing. So first, a huge congratulations to Senegal Sadio Mane on uh, finally scooping the trophy. You know, he becomes the second Senegalese to win the award. That, of course, being after El Haji Diouf, who famously took it in uh, 2001 and 2002, was a double. Uh, but focusing on uh, Sadio Mane and his season, I mean, yes, of course, he did get to the Africa Cup of Nations final, lost out at the very end to Riyad Mahrez's uh, Algeria, but still he did win the UEFA Champions League with Liverpool. And that was a huge, huge achievement. Um, in terms of some of the numbers, well, last season Mane scored uh, 34 goals. He produced 12 assists. And uh, all that was in slightly over 60 games because, remember, it was a very, very condensed period. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, huge congratulations to Mane. But, you know, just looking at the flip side of the coin, Steve, because, you know, sometimes they say that um, absence and silence, you know, speaks volumes. And I would like to look at the two other finalists, that being Riyad Mahrez and uh, Mo Salah. And, you know, it's funny because they're both winners. They're both previous winners. I mean, Maris won it in 2016 and uh, Salah took it in uh, 2017 and 18. And the thing is, Mane was present as a finalist on all three occasions. And he ended up losing, of course, but he was still there to lend his support and was able to celebrate the winners. But the same couldn't be said 
of the situation this time, and I think it was very telling. Um, looking at Riyad Mahrez, you know, he posted later and, you know, he celebrated Mane, you know, made it very tactful and, you know, brought in a joke there. So, you know, he was able to at least bring a positive twist to the situation. And don't forget that Riyad Mahrez actually had a game with uh, Manchester City. So his absence was somewhat, you know, explainable. Um, as for Mo Salah, not the best look, Steve, I will admit, you know, hasn't said anything post uh, post the awards, wasn't there. And it just doesn't really leave the best taste, you know. So that's that. But looking at the female player of the year, I mean, Asisa Toshoala, I think very, very deserved. She's had an amazing season, uh, much more so with uh, her club, Barcelona, as opposed to even maybe with the national team, winning it four times, Steve, finally equaling uh, Perpetual Coach's record. And I think... Um, Coach's congratulatory message to assist as well after the awards, I think, was very positive. Um, still wondering why Tabitha Chawinga of Malawi has never even received a nomination or, you know, got into the final top three for female play of the year. Could be because maybe she is from a country that's not particularly known for its football prowess. I don't know, but I think she's doing amazingly. And I think that at some point, um, recognition will be important. Um, Coach of the Year, Bill Maddy, Steve, very deserved. But I do think um, there was yet another special moment, at least for me, that being a former Togolese goalkeeper, Obilale, receiving a special award from CAF, I mean, don't forget everything he's gone through. Um, this was a former player who actually had his career cut short after their team bus was attacked by uh, rebel militants on the Congolese border, you know, um, during an African Cup of Nations. So for him to have come from all that to where he is now, Steve, I think um, is very, very positive. So lots of controversy as well in the CAF Awards, never short of controversy. Um, everyone will have... Something to say, I'm sure. But I think all in all, congratulations to the man of the moment, Sadio Mane. Oh, yes, absolutely. Also among the controversies, the men's team of the year had no Nigerian, despite Odion Igalo finishing top goalscorer at the Nations Cup and Wilfred Ndidi having a great year for club and for country. And Liverpool defender Joel Matip was there in the men's team of the year, even though he hasn't made himself available for the Cameroon national team since 2016. So on social media, asking what's your reaction to the CAF Awards? We'd love to hear your views, as Sadio Mane winning the big one, but to plenty of controversies and talking points there as well. You can go to our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. What's your reaction to the CAF Awards? And just getting the ball Rolling is Cherno Jallo in the Gambia saying a congrats to Sadio Mane for winning the African Player of the Year. Kudos and bravo, well deserved, says Cherno. Now lots coming up on the English Premier League later on here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, including your views on which teams might be going down. 
But now to our interview with an exciting young Zambian forward, Fashion Sakala, who's 22 and plays for KV Ostend in Belgium. Sakala has shone for Zambia at under-20 level and has eight appearances now for the senior national team. Sakala spoke to Planet Sport Football Africa's Liam Flint, who first asked how it is playing in Belgium. Yeah, to be honest, you know, this is like, uh, it's part of the best leagues in the world, top six leagues in the world. So I really like it and I'm enjoying myself. I think uh, I'm happy to be in this league, playing for Belgium League. It's, it's amazing. It's nice. Uh, I mean, I'm surrounded with good people. I'm enjoying in Belgium. Just looking at 2019, you've said you've had a, a good year. So Zambia yeah. not reaching the Africa Cup of Nations, that must have been really disappointing for you and for everyone concerned are you now looking yeah. forward to putting that right and to bouncing back in this next year when you put on that chipolo polo shirt honestly that's the pressure i have i always think about that i i really want my country to play the afcon i'm always working hard that when i go back to to the national team I think it's time to, to, to do something for the country. It's, to, it's time to die a little bit for, for the country. So we work hard. I believe we can do it. I think it's time to show the impact that the country was missing. I know all the players who went there, they did their best. They, they really worked hard, but it wasn't, it wasn't our time. And you've got a brand new year, 2020. What are your goals when you look forward to the next year? Have you got any things that you really want to achieve or that you're excited about? Yeah, I'm always praying to God that things should be better than 2019. You know, as a football player, you have to think, uh, you have to think higher, you have to dream high. And I'm looking forward to, to play for, for better teams, if not the best teams, but uh, at least something good should happen. I'm playing for a good team, but as young as I am, I need to keep on thinking high. I yeah. need to believe in myself that I should keep on going. Yeah, I think I have the the qualities to to keep going higher and higher for, for better teams than the one I'm playing for now. On your Instagram, the first line when you go on your page, it reads, God is the key of my career success, which is obviously yes, a, yeah. a really important thing to you. Why is that on there? Why do you put your hope in God like that? When I look at my life, I can see that God is with me. God has changed a lot in my life. I was born from a very poor family, a family that we used to sleep without food, a family that has not had nothing to to rely on. And uh, we believed that God is there for us. You know, we used to to have prayers as a family. And that's the, the time I started becoming stronger and stronger in God making my faith being more stronger and stronger in God. I kept that from my childhood, that God is there for me. God will help me. I always read the Bible. I always read the Bible every day and I pray every day. So I believe what the Bible says. I remember when I was uh, in grade six, when we had uh, prayers, then I told my dad that the Bible said in John 14, verse 14, that whatever I ask in his name, he will give it to me. So I told my dad that, I want to be a professional footballer. And then that time I was very young. And then my dad said, if you believe in God, that God will do it for you, then you'll be a professional footballer. So from that time, I kept that in my mind that whatever I ask in God, God will do it for me. I kept it in my mind that God is there. And I kept on asking him that he could help me to be a professional player. 
things just kept on going. I never lost hope. I kept on believing that God is there for me until he answered me. I was born in a Lulu area. It's a place whereby even people from there, they can't believe that I'm here now. They yeah. can't believe that I'm here now, but uh, God did it for me. He answered my prayers, and I also wanted to prove him that what I promised him, I can also do it for him. I came to realize that all these things that are, which are happening in my life now, it's, it's all by the grace of God. God is the key of my career success. So many Zambians, I mean, even outside Zambia, just people across the continent look up to yeah. you, and they must yeah. see that success that you're having now and think, wow, that's an amazing story. Can you just tell us, for all those people listening who are maybe young players across Africa, how did you get yourself spotted? How did you get yourself noticed when you were playing grassroots football back in Africa? Was there anything that you could pass on for advice? The first thing, like I always say, they have to believe in God. They have to believe that God is there for them. In whatever situation they are going through, they have to believe that God is there for them because uh, there is a reason for everything they are going through. There is a purpose in every situation that we are going through. So they have to believe that God is there for them. We had a tournament, you know, it's like inter-schools. I think we had like uh, four games, inter-school games. And then uh, I scored like nine goals. That was my first time when I realized that I can do it in football. Because that's the time I received my first call to go to a better team. After that tournament of the school inter-schools tournament... I joined the team that was playing amateur. And then uh, I went there. I had a very good season. I played uh, I played 17 games. I scored uh, 36 goals. The following year, we had the interprovincial games. I was the only player who was selected from my school. That was 20, 2013. That's the time, that's the time I met Patson Daka yeah, that time when we were schoolboys. And he was playing for Lusaka province. I was playing for Eastern province. I went there. I had a very good tournament for provincial games. I, I, I played six games. I scored nine goals. I was the top scorer of the tournament. And uh, one teacher got my line. That's how I got noticed by the club, which plays in the first... Uh, now, it's, now it's in the second league. But by then, it was in the first league, Zambia Super League, uh, in Changa Rangers. So I knew that that was not me being a good player, but uh, it was by the grace of God. It's, it was just the way. God was making a way for me. He was making the way for me to make it in, in football. He's a miracle-working God, and he performed his miracles for me. Okay, Fashion, important last question here. Yeah. Who do you think right now is the best African footballer on the planet? When you think of Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Andre Onana at Ajax. No need to waste time, Sadio Mane. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like yeah, it. Okay, why Sadio? I always go for Sadio Mane. He's, he's like my inspiration. I always watch his clips. You know, he's, he's such a talent. He's a very good player, very talented and very humble. I talked to Sergio Mane on the phone two times. So he's a very humble guy, a very good guy, very good player. Well, that's Zambian forward fashion Sakala speaking to Liam Flint on his football and his faith. And by the way, that interview was recorded well before the CAF Awards. So confirmation may be that Sergio Mane was the right choice. 
This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, next on the show, let's go to social media. And last week we asked, which teams do you think will be relegated from the English Premier League this season? Uh, certainly Liverpool in a virtually unassailable lead at the top. But down at the bottom, it looks set to go to a great fight in the second half of the season. So we asked which teams you think are likely to go down and why. Here's Adrian Barnard. Thanks, Steve. And on WhatsApp, we start today with Daniel in Ghana. The excitement of the EPL never ceases, says Daniel. At the beginning of the season, all fingers pointed at Southampton to be relegated. But gradually, they've begun pointing at teams who previously didn't want to dream of fighting in the relegation battle. As it stands, Norwich is going down. But the two teams to join them, well, that's very tough to predict until maybe four or five matches from the end of the season. And in Nigeria, marvellous Olawaju Abubakar agrees. I think Norwich will be relegated for sure, says Marvellous, but I can't predict the other two teams that will follow them because it's very tight at this moment. Yes, that's very true, Marvellous, indeed, with just six points separating Watford, who are in 19th place, from Everton, who are currently in 11th. Abdullah in The Gambia says this is a difficult one to predict. Looking at the magnitude of the EPL, it keeps on twisting and turning. Just recently, Watford was struggling, but their recent performances lifted them from bottom place. I think Norwich, West Ham and Brighton could be the teams heading to the championship. Arena Aitwe Emi in Uganda thinks two other clubs are heading for the drop. I think Norwich, Burnley and Bournemouth are going back down, says Arena Aitwe. Burnley no longer gives a hard time to the big clubs as it used to, and I saw it in their recent match with Aston Villa that they waste a lot of chances. Adama Barrow in the Gambia agrees with two of those choices. Well, things are tight down there, says Adama, but from my point of view, Burnley, Norwich and Aston Villa are the teams I believe will be relegated to the championship. And we always welcome your voice notes here on Planet Sport Football Africa. And here's Abrima Kante in The Gambia. It's very, very close. Very, very tight at the moment. But if you look at the form and experience, I will go for Norwich. Norwich, though they can play, but they don't have that defensive discipline to stay in the league. They can score, but they can also you know, concede. So Norwich will be going down. Very difficult to choose now. After Norwich, because for Villa, yes, they are good. Uh, and Bournemouth, this is not their place. For Bournemouth, this is not their place. So it's very difficult to predict, but it will be a fascinating battle at that other end. Yes, indeed. So Abrima saying there that he believes Norwich will go down, but that Aston Villa and Bournemouth will stay up. To Zambia now, and Moinga Mayambolwa says Norwich, Bournemouth and Aston Villa will go down. Norwich are rooted deep in relegation waters, and it's mission impossible for them. Bournemouth will also find they're going tough. They have a tough schedule of games which will make it difficult for them to survive. Watford will survive thanks to their ever-consistent fighting spirit, but as for Villa, well, the walls are cracking and the drop is definitely calling, says Moinga. Obina in Nigeria has similar thoughts. In no particular order, I see Aston Villa, Norwich and any other club going down, says Obina. 
However, I do see Bournemouth beating the drop and surviving. Mohammed in the UK says Norwich, Bournemouth and Aston Villa will be relegated because they don't have good positions in the league. While Patrick Mwamlima in Malawi says Norwich, Watford and Burnley are my proposed casualties. And also in Malawi, Ephrathar Kamanga says Brighton and Burnley will go down because they're not consistent enough. Now that's an interesting point there from Ephrathar because the two clubs are currently four points above the relegation places. But the warning signs are there for them both unless they can find that elusive consistency. Masana Kinte in the Gambia speaks for many. It's too early to predict which teams will be relegated looking at the current table standings, says Masana. However, if I am to choose, I think Norwich, Watford and Aston Villa will see themselves in the championship next season. Things could change, but I strongly believe that these three teams will go out. Hamat Jobert, also in the Gambia, says I think Norwich, Burnley and Bournemouth will be relegated this season. I'm not impressed with the way they've been performing and they're not showing any signs of staying in the EPL this season. And finally, Francisco Dodoma in Malawi says It's hot down the league table as all the teams there are fearing relegation. However, I still believe the last three teams in the table now will be relegated this season, looking at the level of competition. In other words, Norwich, Watford and Bournemouth. So there you are then, Steve. It seems that everyone expects Norwich to go down, which is fair enough as they're currently seven points from safety. But what interests me is how many people think that Burnley and Brighton will join them, despite being four points above the drop zone as things stand now. I think it just all goes to show just how difficult it is to predict who will go down with 17 games left to play. Yes, the picture can certainly change a lot. I uh, don't think it's looking good at all, though, for Norwich, while Watford perhaps can easily escape. Uh, thanks, Adrian. Now we're joined by our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. Let's start with that one, Stuart. Interesting question, but difficult to predict. Well, absolutely. As marvellous Abu Bakr in Nigeria says it is incredibly tight at the bottom of the table and that Everton in 11th place are only five points off the bottom three. And again, I think, you know, Francisco in Malawi, it's absolutely right that everyone in the bottom half of the table is fearing relegation. It's really quite interesting that there's a clear consensus among our WhatsApp responders that Norwich will go down with 12 people actually saying poor old Norwich are on their way out. But Norwich have had some really tough fixtures recently. And they also have been on the wrong side of several quite controversial VAR decisions. So, uh, you know, they, they may do better, but it's going to be a long road for them to get back up. The other teams that our respondents seem to pick out were Burnley, Bournemouth, Aston Villa as favourites to join Norwich. Bournemouth are certainly in a difficult position, having won only one of the last five games. But they have had terrible injury problems with about 10 first-team players currently injured. This weekend, we will see Bournemouth play Watford, and you could call that a must-win game for them. Burnley have lost three in a row, but, you know, they have an astute manager in Sean Dyche, and they've normally found a way to survive in the Premier League. And... Interestingly, that even though Watford are second from the bottom and have been in the bottom three all season, none of our respondents think that they will go down, feeling that Nigel Pearson, their new manager, who has achieved three wins and a draw in the last four games, 
we'll keep that rule going. Another thing that struck me was that if we'd been doing this poll a month ago, I think Southampton would have been one of the favourites to be relegated. But their three wins and a draw have taken them up to 12th place. So um, I'm still sitting on the fence, I'm afraid, because with 17 games more to play, there's time for anyone to drop into the relegation zone and also time for anyone to escape who can just put together a few results. So I think we will... Watch this one run and run. Yes, Southampton showing how a few good results can make a huge difference in that to fight against relegation. Now, last weekend saw the third round of the FA Cup. Uh, this is the stage where the Premier League sides enter the competition. But it seems that many of them don't take it too seriously these days. Sheffield United made 11 changes for their tie and boss Chris Wilder admitted that the early stages of the competition had lost the appeal of years gone by. Uh, Wilder said he never used to see any changes of players in the third round but the introduction, the rise and growth of the Premier League means that the Premier League is by far the biggest competition in the country. Uh, now Stuart, we seem to discuss this every year but uh, can the FA Cup retain its integrity among Premier League clubs who have different agendas? Well, Chris Wilder is quite right to talk about the way the FA Cup has changed. You know, winning the FA Cup used to be just about as important as winning the league. But somehow the Champions League and the money that that generates has totally changed all that. And you may remember Arsene Wenger, when he was manager of Arsenal, used to talk openly about finishing in fourth place being more valuable to him uh, because of qualifying for the Champions League than winning either of the cup competitions. But... While the FA Cup does not have the glamour it once had, it still has a lot of positives in it. Take Curtis Jones, an 18-year-old Liverpool player whose entire career at Liverpool had consisted of two League Cup games and 15 minutes in the Premier League before last weekend. Well, when Liverpool played Everton in the Cup tie, Jones was not only in the starting lineup. He played 90 minutes and he scored the only goal of the game. Imagine what that meant to a local Liverpool boy to score the winning goal in the Merseyside derby. And when Southampton beat Huddersfield 2-0, their two goals were also scored by teenagers, Will Smallbone and Jake Vaukins. Now, previously, Vaukins had played one minute as a substitute and Smallbone had never made a first-team appearance. Again, just imagine what it meant to those two boys to get their chance to play in the first team and to score. And, of course, Jones, Smallbone or Vaukins would never have had the chance if Southampton and Liverpool had not chosen to rest some of their star players. I mean, I remember Alex Ferguson saying that he got criticised when he gave David Beckham and Paul Scholes their debut in a cup game. And he said, well, how would I have known if they were any good if I didn't give them a chance to play? And now another 18-year-old who had a good day was Adam Ida. He scored three goals for Norwich City against Preston. And again, before last weekend, he'd only played one minute in the Premier League and one game in the League Cup. And he's, interestingly, the youngest player to score a hat-trick at this stage of the FA Cup for 60 years. And, you know, the FA Cup can involve all ages. Because Aaron Wilbraham scored the equaliser for League One Rochdale against Premier League Newcastle United, and he is 40 years old. What a day for him. He became the oldest player to score in the FA Cup since Stanley Matthews in 1962. And the funny thing was that Wilbraham came on as a substitute, replacing a teenager, Koduba. So a 40-year-old and a teenager, and they get a result.
And, you know, another exciting aspect of the FA Cup is the opportunity it gives to non-league, semi-professional teams to line up against top Premier League teams. And AFC Fylde, who normally play in front of 2,000 people in the National League, found themselves last weekend playing away to Premier League Sheffield United, and they only lost 2-1. And then, of course, there's the shocks and the giant killing, with Crystal Palace losing to Derby County, incidentally, whose new signing Wayne Rooney was playing. Brighton lost to Sheffield Wednesday, and Aston Villa to Fulham. And Watford had quite a scare. They were cruising 3-0 up at home against League One strugglers Tranmere Rovers. But then the visitors scored three second-half goals to force a replay. So the FA Cup may not be what it used to be, but the romance of the FA Cup is far from dead. Well, yeah, plenty of great stories there. And what else have you got for us, Stuart? Well, midweek we saw the two semi-finals of the League Cup. But, of course it still retains that two-legged, cumbersome semi-final. So we don't actually know yet who will make the final. Manchester City beat Manchester United 3-1 at Old Trafford, and that must make them clear favourites to reach the final. But the other semi-final saw Leicester draw at home to Aston Villa to set up an intriguing second leg. Leicester are clearly the better team, but Villa have home advantage, so it could go either way. And Villa took the lead at Leicester, only for Leicester's Nigerian, Kelechi Ihanacho, to come off the bench and score the equaliser. What a good season he's having after having to wait for his chance. Well, it's great form for Ihanacho right now. Let's hope that he keeps it up. Thanks a lot, Stuart. And that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and the rest of the team, including Stuart Weir, Adrian Barnard and Liam Flint in the UK, Thanks a lot for listening, and Planet Sport Football Africa is a Passion for Sport production.